When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello. Hola. Ni hao. Guten Tag. Moi. Welcome to the Normal Not Normal podcast with me, Oliver Phelps. And me, James Phelps. In this series, we are talking to some of our favourite people to find out what normal means to them. And let's face it. Does normal even exist? Last season, we had such a great time and we're so glad that everybody wanted us back for the new season. So thank you so much for joining us. And we are very, very excited because today's guest is Sophie Skelton, or best known as Brianna Fraser in Outlander. We got to know Sophie uh, a couple of weeks ago when we were away filming on our travel show in Poland. Now, we've known Sophie for a little while, so it was, but it was really great to spend some quality time with her. And we had such an amazing time. She's such a great laugh, very witty, but also very clever. We'll go into talking, I'm sure, with her about how she could have been a ballet dancer, she could have been a doctor, she could have been a anything, pretty much. She's one of these people that is just good at everything and a really great person to speak to. So, with all that being said, let's crack on with chatting to Sophie. Before we start, just a quick note to say that in this episode, we do discuss the portrayal of sexual violence in film and TV, as well as other tough subjects, including suicide. So if you think that you might find that difficult, you might want to skip this one out. Anyway, enjoy the show. Hey. <laughs> we do the intros here. Hey, Sophie, thanks so much for coming in. <laughs> How are you, Sophie? Thank you very much for taking the lead on this one. Good, thanks. <laughs> yeah, very good. So, so you said you've just, uh, before we came on, you said you've just, just managed to move all your stuff back to uh, to Glasgow. What have you been been getting up to? Can you talk about that? Um, yeah, I can't say exactly what it is, but just been doing a, a film um, on the coast of, on the coast of Scotland, actually. Um, sort of the border between Scotland and England, so... That was fun. It was intense. It was a quick shoot. We had to sort of get everything done pretty quickly. So um, we were there for just over two weeks. But um, yeah, pretty good. So just managed to get back, retrieved the retrieved the monster um, and <laughs> yeah, back in Glasgow for a few days and then head out again. So just, yeah, settling here, getting life back together a little bit. And then, yeah, going back to the US actually, first time since lockdown. So that'll be oh, fun. Great. Oh, that'd be very cool. Yeah, that'd be good. For those for those listening, monster, uh, the monster which Sophie's talk about is her great dame. Exactly. Who gets bigger every time I see him? I know he gets bigger every time I see him. I wake up in the morning and I'm like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna have to start sleeping on the floor because there's just no space for me anywhere. <laughs> so, so we've actually just been in Poland together, haven't we? We have, we have. Are you guys over the the trauma of hanging out with me for a week yet, or how are you feeling? It was good. I mean, it was seeing it was it was seeing different. Those. I'm not going to go into details about some things. It was uh, no. It's really it was really really good fun and being able to do some filming. Have you ever filmed a travel show before? No, I haven't. It was great. You guys are. Um, I think it's going to be a good one. I'm excited for you. Pretty epic. How did you how did you find the uh, the schedule in terms of like was it how you thought it would be or was it a bit more intense was it a bit more spread out what would you how would you describe it? Um, I think it felt good. I mean, obviously, I'm pretty used to as you guys are like really intense schedules, so 
It felt nice and because um, it was such a good crew, wasn't it? It kind of just felt like in the evenings we're just sort of hanging out as friends. So at least it meant that we had a bit of a bit of um, travel time to ourselves as well around Poland, see it that way. Because, you know, it's like usually when you're shooting, you don't finish till super late and you actually then go home and learn lines. So it's actually quite nice to be shooting something and have a bit of time to yourself as well. So it's fun. What I also like is that we were able to even after the cameras stopped rolling, we still went and explored and did our own thing as well, which was kind of fun. In, in some ways, you kind of wish the cameras were still there because we had just as much fun off camera as we did on camera. But yeah, it was a lot of fun. But one one thing which I need to ask, which kind of blew my mind, when we said that we were doing, that, that you were going to appear in an episode with us, a lot of Potter fans um, started saying, oh, that's Lily Potter. And I was like, I, I, I was like um, pardon? Is there something Sophie didn't tell me or anything? Like, what? What's the deal with that? Yeah, I, so I think it's because my character has red hair. Uh, so I'm a, a faux redhead like you two, I suppose. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know. I just, most of the stuff I get tagged in is Lily Potter fan cast. Um, so just, yeah, apparently I'm Harry's mum. And um, one day, who knows when <laughs> there, is a, <laughs> there is the sort of prequel to the movies um i'll put the red wig back on and kind of do that but yeah i i think it's just always been um it's always been sort of rumored about and then it's just kind of snowballed a lot i think over the years it just um yeah there's a lot of uh, photo edits of brianna changing into lily um and actually people people are really good at editing photos there's a lot of pictures out there of me with gryffindor scarves on and things i'm like cool Honorary Gryffindor for the time being, I'll take it. Yeah. What led you to to acting in the first place? Because I remember you telling us how you wanted to be a surgeon for quite a while when you were when you were younger, and then is it English literature you got to yeah, study yeah. or something like that, and then going on to acting. But how did all that shape and come about? Yeah. So I started out. I was a ballet dancer from like I started at the age of two, and then I did. Uh, sort of tap, modern jazz, hip hop, all that kind of thing, and then loads of musical theatre. So I was always used to doing plays and musical theatre on stage and stuff. And then I kind of just didn't like how you have to make everything bigger. As you guys know, the acting style on stage is just, um, obviously you have to make it bigger so that the audience can see it, whereas screen's just a lot more discreet. So I kind of just started doing a little bit of screen work and then I was still studying at the time. So by the time I sort of got my first professional acting job, I was like 15, 16, I think. Um, but then continued my studies and because I wanted to still do surgery, I study medicine, I did like biology, chemistry, maths, English, further maths. Um, and then everyone used to laugh at me in school because like, obviously doing chemistry, maths and further I was going to choose the hardest subjects, is that the... Yeah, it's like a geeky thing to do. And then, but because I did English, they all used to laugh at me in chemistry. So they were like, oh, can't we be doing English instead of physics? Like, mm. <laughs> like, we definitely went to different schools, Sophie. I've got to be honest with you. Definitely went to different schools. <laughs> yeah, the cool kids weren't, um, didn't doss off in my school. Like, you were cool if you got 100%. <laughs> like, which, is, which is the right way to do it? Yeah. Ever expelled either of you? No. no. How rebellious were you then? No, I was a no, no, nowhere near. I've got a story to tell you off camera if you want, but we'll carry on. Anyway, about cases you. say differently. <laughs> um, yeah, and then um, yeah, I got got into university. I made a deal with my parents that um, if I sort of just continued acting for a while, I was allowed a, a year off um, to defer a year of uni, basically. And um, yeah, it kind of just went from there. One deferral became three years deferring. And then I finally called them and said, I'm not going. But in the end, it was just sort of that 
I was working so much by that point that I just kind of thought, actually, I don't really fancy going to university for seven years and having debt when I could just keep working, really. Um, and I love it. I mean, I love my job. I love going to set every day and love the intensity of it. But I do still miss the the medical side. And so actually in lockdown, I did, um, you can do courses online. Uh, I did one with Harvard. It's like a neuroscience course online. So I did a bit of that. Um, and then, yeah, I'd love to still study it at some point. Not so much to get the degree, but just because I miss the knowledge. But um, yeah, for now, mm. just stick to the stick to the screen. What type of surgery would it have been that you would have studied? Um, I don't know. I mean, obviously, initially you just do medicine and then you sort of pick your um, specialty later. So who knows? I don't have a very, very steady hand. So neurosurgery, <laughs> uh, <nor a> <laughs> probably not, but um, maybe general. Who knows? I don't know. Would have had to find out what what sort of interested me most when I got there. And but. like you say, you were you seemed to be then when you went with acting, you were kind of consistently getting roles and getting roles. And then in 2018, you broke in uh, after the breakthrough in Outlander. You were named by Variety magazine as one of the top ten Brits to watch. Which, after being off roading in a four by four with you, I'd also add top ten Brits to hold on to dear life for when in a car with. But. After that Variety magazine article, did your relationship with your fans change and did that affect your personal life or did you kind of not tell anyone about that? Yeah, no, I don't know. It's funny now, isn't it? Because I feel like social media is sort of our outlet of information in terms of unless you post something, I feel like a lot of people don't really cotton on to it. So my family aren't really, they're not really into the industry, if you like, for want of a better phrase, but they don't really keep in touch with that kind of stuff or they're not starstruck by things. Um actually more than anything they just take the mick out of me for most of it so I don't actually know if they even knew about the variety thing but I mean yeah life definitely changed um most dramatically after the Outlander announcement went out I suppose and then after Outlander and doing all the press in the US but I feel like things like that magazine things and awards and things is kind of more just a, a sort of slow build so I don't really feel the difference hugely but yeah it was definitely very very cool and really touching to be um sort of on that on that list because did so. you have to keep the when you were casting Alan did you have to keep that quiet yeah I had to it was funny because I had my uh, my final recall <clears throat> was uh, in LA on the 4th of January it's actually the first time I've been to LA and I'd already had so I, when I got cast when I first auditioned for Outlander, it was, I think, 2014, and I didn't hear anything for a year, so I just figured I hadn't got the role. And I was I was really gutted, actually. There aren't many roles, as you guys know, that kind of really cut deep. If you don't get them, you sort of have to just move on. But with this one, I really, really felt it. And so um, when the first season of Outlander came out, I was being a bit of a bit of a brat, and I was like, I don't even want to watch it. <laughs> I don't want to know who got the role. <laughs> and then a year later, the audition came through again, and I was like, I definitely auditioned for this. And they were like, yeah, we actually decided to bring the character into season two, not season one, so no one got the role sort of thing. Um, so then auditioned again, again, didn't hear of anything for like three months, then had a recall. Then a few months later, had a, a screen test with my co-star, uh, so the Love Interest co-star. And then it was, yeah, the January... Um, I can't even think what year, but in the January, I then had my final um, screen test with Katrina, who plays my mum in the show, and that was in LA, but I wasn't allowed to tell anyone. So at Christmas, I was in Cheshire at the time with all my family, and one of my brothers lives near my parents in near Manchester, and the other one lives in London. And so I told one brother that I was having New Year with the other one, 
and then told the other one that I was going to the other ones after New Year's. So they would each think that I was in the different place, whereas actually I was just in America and nobody knew. Um, and then, and then, even then, when I'd got the role and I was in Scotland, I just had to kind of lie about where I was to everyone. Um, and actually, it's funny when my agent called me to say that I'd got the role because it had been such a quick trip to LA. I was really jet lagged when I got home. So he'd been calling me for about five hours and it was about 1 p.m. and I was still just KO'd in bed. Um, and then, yeah, so then I couldn't tell anyone until um, I think it was Variety or Vanity Fair did the sort of they had the official announcement rights. And that was, I think, the March. So I think we'd already filmed a bit by then. My oh, hair was already red and all of that. Um, and I remember I was in London and I was waiting to get the train back, back north and I, my agent messaged me and said, okay, the release is going out. So I called my brother who lived in London and luckily his offices at the time were really near to um, King's Cross. So I just called him and I was like, bro, like this announcement's going out. Um, I've got this role. Sorry, I didn't tell you, but I'm just really nervous about the announcement going out because... I'd kind of already had a talk with one of the producers. They'd sort of said, look, you don't actually have red hair. You don't have blue eyes and you're not American. Like, they're not going to love you initially, basically. Like, be warned kind of thing. Social media can be a scary place and there's going to be some hate. So just be warned. He was like, but, you know, we know that once they've seen it, they'll hopefully um, sort of turn around. But for now, you're not the sort of look of the books, which, as you guys know, people, people love a book image. And if you're sort of cast very differently, they're not. It's not always that palatable initially. Um, yeah, so I called my brother and he's like, okay, we'll just come to the offices and um, I'll just sit with you while it, while it all goes wild. So I went to his office and he'd never heard of the show and um, it was all cool. And then we went to a place in um, near King's Cross and just basically had champagne and watched Twitter go mental. Um, and I've actually still got the little receipt from when my brother and I signed the receipt at the end of dinner. Um, and then, yeah, that was pretty much that story. But it's funny because when I called my other brother to tell him, he wasn't, neither of them knew what the show was and they didn't really care about the fact I'd got, they were obviously happy for me I'd got a role, but they, it's not like they were huge fans of the show to care what the role was in. My middle brother, all he said to me was, he was just like, oh, I'm really gutted you felt like you couldn't tell me. I was like, no bro, it was a secret, I wasn't allowed, but it was really sweet. <laughs> I was actually seeing um, one of my friends the other day and it's the first time we've actually met up in person for probably like over a year or so or something like that and his, his wife. And uh, she was asking about like where I've been doing and everything like that. And I said, oh, we went to Poland together. And she was like, you went away with Brianna. And I was like, uh, I was like, I was like, right? It's not, it's not real, mate. She was like, no, 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 honestly, honestly. Cause, like, so they've got, they've got now a two-year-old. But um, when when she was off maternity, she was like going through, going through the stuff, the TV stuff, and saying, oh yeah, I quite like a good little uh, period drama. And after about halfway through the first episode, she's like, this is not a normal period drama. And it was just this, just saying how much it sucks, it sucks her in and everything like that. But do you find that playing a character like that has moved itself into, like, shaped your career in one way or shaped how the fan base see you or anything like that? Yeah, I think I'm quite lucky career-wise in terms of because I look so different to the character, It's you're not pigeonholed then and that's quite good. So although mm. I have an association with the show, I don't feel like it's suddenly become a typecast kind of situation um but it definitely is one of those fan bases i mean it's sort of infamous in the industry known as being kind of one of the biggest tv fan bases whereby people really do morph the reality with with the screen personas because it is very much you know i actually funny you say your friend as a two-year-old i had to do a, a video the other day for someone um a fan had requested 
um, you do a video for their two-year-old who's been named after my character. So I'm basically talking directly to this two-year-old kid called Brianna, who doesn't give a crap that she's called Brianna. He doesn't know who Brianna is. Um, so it was quite funny. But yeah, they, it definitely does become a little bit um, a little bit blurry-lined in terms of where the screen leaves and you start. And that can be, it's, it's amazing and it's really touching to see, but it can also be quite difficult at times because people reach out to you, especially because I've been working a lot with mental health charity, people reach out to you as your character. And my character's been through a lot in the show. She's been through sexual abuse and she's been through death. She's been through a lot. Um, and people often then reach out to you as the character to ask for advice and things like that. And it's it's a beautiful place to be, but also quite a scary place to be because obviously you're not qualified to kind of give that. And some of these people know your character more than you do. So you don't want to disappoint when you're actually sort of like, oh, I don't know. don't know what Brianna would say kind of thing. Mm. Um, so it is interesting. It's interesting to see. Sure. Like, like you say, I mean, Outlander is a series which doesn't really shy away from from violence or anything like that. And I know that you put a warning out on your social media about some of the scenes in season five that portrayed sexual violence. And do you think there's... Well, do you think there's a possible way to find a balance between realism and triggering viewers? Yeah, that is one thing that is a difficult is a difficult one with the show because, and I know often it's used as an excuse that oh things are set in the past, so we're going to have loads of rape, which it's not a great excuse. But with this book, I mean, as I say, with the show, it is based on book and it is set in the past. So although it doesn't mean we need to show it more, it it was something that unfortunately happened. Um, a lot more sort of openly if you like back then so it's, it's it's often a hard decision for the producers to make I think in terms of how much you stay true to the books and how much we show trauma in different ways and how much we actually do show at all um, and so I did a lot of research on mine trying to show different reactions in terms of PTSD that people can have. And did the production team or anyone say that mention that to you before you you filmed it or like in terms of like the research or is that something you did on your own back and just thought no I need to do it do it justice not just to the character but also to other people who've experienced something like this yeah the research was something I just chose to do on my own actually so yeah I kind of just delved into the into the research of that putting out trigger warnings and things was so important to me because otherwise it just feels like you're using trauma that people really have been through to make a show as opposed to kind of you know actually paying respects to them and respecting something that they've been through so that was really important um and then yeah this is actually it's funny because i try and reply to people on posts and things but the sexual trauma ones are the ones where actually like i spent hours just sat going through liking every comment and trying to reply to people who've been through it because i do just feel like it, people feel so passionately about the show and then i feel like to touch on a subject that's so sensitive to them and then just kind of leave them hanging and leave them to kind of deal with the aftermath themselves is heartbreaking so I do think there is a kind of responsibility there and I think it, it is important. What you were saying about how I feel about social media sometimes, it just feels like now people just have a right to information all the time. You know, you'll be out and people just video you and then the next thing you know, it's on on a platform or on something. And it's just like, there's unfortunately sometimes um, the element of respect is just kind of gone, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And then you look at like other, other, th- like other things class so where uh, I think it's Ray-Bans have just brought out a brand of glasses which has got cameras in and they'll like it so you can live stream. Do you know what I mean? Like that, that is that is really creepy, really creepy. And without going down a rabbit hole here of ethics, that could definitely be used in the wrong, the wrong way. 
Because it's funny, isn't it, working in film and stuff, if we ever have extras or something, people have to sign a waiver, don't they? Like, yes, you can use my face. But now it's kind of like your face is all over social media anyway, whether you like it or not. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. I mean, like you've got like GIFs and stuff like that with you all on it. And it's quite a, some of them I've seen of us is just completely random. Funny, but really, really random. Sorry, one one second. My dog just walked through and my tax building is trying to eat it. <laughs> oh yeah, I've used that excuse before, James, as well. Oh, yeah, sorry, I didn't get the bill. Yeah, sorry. I think one of my favourite videos of you two actually that um I think I must have been tagged on it in Instagram. I get tagged in a lot of Weasley stuff because Redhead, Jeff Potter, all that, Lily J- Lily Potter stuff. Um but one of my favourite ones of you guys was you're doing an interview with somebody and she said about the casting process. And she's like, well, they were really lucky to get oh, yeah. you two who look alike. And she was like, you just said, I think it was you, Ollie. You were like, yeah, yeah, we just met at the audition or something. Yeah, I stand by that. I stand by that. Our silly questions get silly answers. That's <laughs> I wish that you could see. Yeah, but the, the best thing was the, uh, like their producer and our, like the head of publicity, the other side of the camera, just like, no, 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 no. <laughs> but when we're away... You you were very easy to go into an American accent like that, very yes. very like trying to get us into a into a bar which was closed, which didn't which didn't really work. <laughs> yeah, I was pretending to be a publicist. I was like, you don't understand. Like these guys, you have to let them in. You want them in here, believe me. <laughs> I think I was standing doing the Beavis and Butthead in the background as well. But what I was get was what I was getting is is that you you've literally mastered the the accent by watching Friends. I remember you saying that. So what was it like? What So obviously you watched thousands of hours worth of Friends for research, obviously. Um, when you watched the reunion last year, what did you think of that? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, growing up, all I would do is watch Friends. At least now I have an excuse for the fact that I just spent hours sort of <laughs> waning away from the TV. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was funny because I kind of initially when I'd heard the reunion, I'm sure like most people, I kind of thought, yay, it's going to be another episode sort of actual episode um and then obviously on hearing it was them talking about the show and how it was made I was kind of intrigued so I feel like on that side of it it really delivered because it was actually really interesting to see them talk about the whole process in terms of how their lives are changing things and obviously because I was quite young when Friends came out I didn't I wasn't aware of like the Rolling Stones covers and all the stuff that had really happened at the time for me I just came into it later and it was already an established show um so I thought it was great. I just felt, I don't know. Do you know what I really upset me about the reunion is that none of them could remember Mr. Heckle's name. And I just felt really bad for the actor coming on. And it was like, oh, come on, guys. He was in season one with you. He established the show with you. And you can't even remember his character name, poor guy. It really broke my heart a little bit. <laughs> but do you think it's one of those where they remember his name, like his actual name, but not the character? Yeah, maybe. I hope so. I hope so. Thanks, James. I like that you're looking at the bright side of that. Yeah, but how many times have you done that? Someone ge- like someone's talking to you about a character, and you think, "I have no idea who that character is," and then you remember that you know their actual name more than that, or is that just me? I've definitely done that kind of with um, with a couple of your co-stars. I think where like <laughs> I've met them and thought I've worked with them, and then realised that I haven't. I'm just a big part of fan, and I was like, "Oh, they were very polite about it." <laughs> I think it was actually at the Baftas and. Um, yeah, I was like, oh, dude, so good to see you again. He's like, oh, so nice to see you too. And then I was sat there staring at his face for like half an hour and I was like, oh, no, we've actually never met. <laughs> but bless him, he pretended. <laughs> so where was, can you remember who that was? 
No. Again, I don't know the real names. <laughs> just like, I think it was the guy who plays Seamus. Uh, Devin. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, Devin. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to ask about your, your Remy Malik story, but we'll leave that one. That one's you. even worse, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you ever see us out, come and ask us what we're on about. Yeah, exactly. Well, I'll, I'll tell it for you. Yeah, I... Um, was at a Golden Globes event with Remy Malik, and bearing in mind my co-star had already already offended him because she uh, she'd got him mixed up because obviously they're twins, he, he and his brother, and one of them had a moustache that evening and one didn't. But I think she was a little tipsy and couldn't tell them apart, so she'd already made a bad impression impression on the Outlander front. And then I go up and I'm like, oh, Remy mate, it's so good to see you. I was like, I just want to say like you're really good in iRobot and Pacific Rim. And he's like, do you mean Mr. Robot and the Pacific? I was like, yes. <laughs> Excellent work. <laughs> I just was like, cool, cool, cool. I just laughed. <laughs> but at least, at least he wasn't just like going through the motions of just like, yeah, how are you doing? He was, he was actually listening to what you were saying. This is true. This is true. <laughs> anyway, anyway, now I'm going to paint you in a good light. So could you tell us about Sophie's charity and why you specifically chose to support people suffering from Crohn's and use ulcerative? Ulcerative. colitis. <laughs> that's it. That's it. I'm better. I'm better with it. You can tell I just definitely didn't do science very well at school. Okay. Um. Yeah. It's actually because a family member really close to me um suffered with it, and it actually changed their life when they were about seventeen, and sort of dictated the rest of their life a bit. Um. And it was sort of the first time I'd ever seen that family member cry, and I just remember it really hit really hard for me. And I felt like from living in America for a really long time, Crohn's. It seems to be one of those things that. You know what American commercials are like? It's one is for a prescription drug and then the next one's for a lawyer. And then if you've used the prescription drug and that sort of thing. Mm. And there were so many commercials for Crohn's and it just, it really hit hard for me because it made it look like such a blase illness whereby it's like, take this pill and you'll be fine. It just makes it look like it's a sort of runny tummy situation and it can be solved. But actually it's, it's a lot of people who have it end up with bowel cancer and it's a really severe disease and it does it does change your life and it does dictate your life and it's not solved through such simple solutions. Um, and so I think I just felt like I really wanted to widen the, the knowledge on it and just um, raise money for it in the UK where I think it's less of a talked about thing because because it is a sort of because when I feel like when things are digestive issues or things like that, it can be a bit of a taboo, especially with Brits. We're very sort of, oh, no, we don't talk about that kind of stuff. Um, but it really affects yeah. so many people um, to the point where even, you know, public bathrooms and restrooms and things, if people are traveling and you could have somebody waiting in line for the loo and they've got Crohn's and it's actually a really detrimental thing if they can't get there in time and things like that, which I know isn't exactly the most lovely thing to talk about but it just really needs to be known and even driving in the car it, it, it is a bit of a disability and so I just wanted to raise awareness and money for it um, at home and, mm. and in the US. Well done for that and, and another thing that I know you, you've done well as well is whilst on Cameo on the, the app you've also helped support mental health. Um, do you think you have a responsibility as a public figure to support cases like this and do you choose to support case that means something to you personally or is it one that you hear about and you think oh that's i like to get my name behind that it's a bit of a mix the crohn's charity does think means something to me personally because of that family member whereas the mental health one was more just that it's not a responsibility and i think that that can be a dangerous territory again when we're talking about blurred lines in our industry of you're kind of 
you're sort of expected to speak up, but you're also expected not. Or it's a responsibility to support a charity, but how dare you sort of think that you're sort of enough of a figure enough to hold responsibility, if that makes sense. That was my mumbled way of saying that. But I think that for me was more just that, especially throughout lockdown and things, I'd seen I'd seen how it had affected people so much. I'd seen people committing suicide because they couldn't deal with being at home alone. But then there was obviously this wider cause of coronavirus. And I think it just felt like sometimes where are the way offs of how much we're helping people and how much we're hindering things. And I have so many people reach out with the show and I think I'm lucky in that being young, younger in the industry, a young, the younger generation feel like they can reach out to you. Um, Outlander has, on the whole, quite um, for a while it had a, an older age fan base. And since my character and my co-star have come in, it's really started to broaden and we've got a lot of younger viewers coming in. And so it's not so much a responsibility, I feel. It's more just that I actually feel very, very protective protective and very sympathetic to people who are going through things like that and I actually just really wanted to help and I, I more just feel that I wouldn't really forgive myself if I know that there's fans of the show reaching out to you and you don't actually help them when they need it and again like I said before it's not like I'm qualified but I get a lot of suicide notes and suicide letters sent and girls really reaching out who've been through the same thing Brianna's been through or who are struggling with social media or how they look or how they feel and everything and so I just feel like if I if I don't if I don't talk to them or help or in some way like with the charity then I just wouldn't be able to forgive myself I suppose really mm. no very very uh very noble noble thing to do there very noble thing to do I mean what would you what would you say then to someone who's who say you know people obviously getting in touch and things like that you're getting many many different people with all different all range of different things getting in touch with you is it a case of where it's like respectfully saying I see that you're sending it in but I'm not going to be able to get back to you straight away if at all but don't take that it's easy to say don't take that personally because obviously you do but there's a having this realistic zone it's not like knocking on your next door neighbor's door and saying here it is type thing uh, where you can't where it's unavoidable is there a is there a is there a right way to say that is there a way to manage expectations on that front this is the thing i've been really trying to navigate because i'm sure like with you guys when you get i don't really reply to pers- to dms if you like the, co- the cool kid way of saying direct messages um, <laughs> yeah, apparently yeah. i'm not down with the lingo but um I'm, i don't really check them because you know what it's like you get so many that you sort of you just don't don't and spend your days trawling through them. Um, so the ones that I know that I'm just not going to see yet, you kind of wish that you could almost have an Instagram template or a Twitter template of a response where you can just be like, look, me not replying is not personal. Da, 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 da. Um, but obviously you can't. But the ones that I do end up seeing, I tend to just respond and say kind of what you said, Ollie, in terms of like, look, if I don't reply again, it's not personal. But I'm here, I'm thinking of you. And a lot of the time they are actually directed to Brianna. So often I'll just kind of reply as her as not so much as her, but on her behalf and just say, look, you know, I hope that she can kind of be a beacon for strength for you. She's got through it. You can too. Um, And then I often send like, here's a number to talk to or whatever, but I'm thinking of you, even if I don't respond, Mm -hmm. you're still in my thoughts and I'm rooting for you kind of thing. So more along that kind of lines, but often it'll be at conventions and stuff. So it actually is a physical letter and you know what it's like again in conventions, you can't read them at the time, but I always make sure no matter how late the day is that I'll go back that night and read them so that at least when I see them the next day, it's not as if, oh, sorry, I didn't have time to read your letter. Mm. So I kind of, yeah, always make sure I do that, but... 
it's yeah it can be it can be heavy obviously but i mean that's that feels to say because they're going through something but when you're getting a lot of them it it does weigh it does weigh heavy because you do feel um responsibility i guess so i know that you've said in your past that you want to be the next audrey hepburn how close are you to achieving this goal you got any pearls hanging around them do you know what i do have some pearls there you go there you go you're on the way on the way um, I mean, I'd love to do a film like Funny Face because obviously I was a dancer and she was a ballerina. So there we go. One, I was not a spy in the war, however, so I'm failing on that on that point. <laughs> ah, but were you? You wouldn't say if you were, would you? Yeah. I actually did play a spy, kind of, in a war movie. There you go. Tick that off the list. Tick that off. Um, she apparently ate a square of dark chocolate every day, which I probably eat a bar every day. So. Um, <laughs> We'll whittle that down. I'll get there. Um, I just love her acting style. I just think Roman Holiday is just one of the most beautiful movies ever. And she, in in an era where I feel overacting was encouraged, and I suppose just because of the way that the cameras were configured in those days, you sort of had to make it a bit bigger. She still made to just made it feel so natural, and she just was just brilliant. I just love her work. Who knows? Maybe I'll play her in the biopic one day. But heard it here first. So. This being normal, not normal, as shown on our funky jumpers. Available now. I've got to be honest, before um, we say anything else, we didn't correlate that we were going to wear the same top today. Definitely wasn't a thing. Anyway, since this is called normal, not normal, what does the word normal mean to you? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, it's funny because you know what's really sad about that is with us talking about social media and stuff, the first thing that comes to mind when you say normal is kind of what we're inundated with and what we're sort of trained to peg as normal right so when you look at beauty magazines or all that kind of stuff that's what we'd see as normal but I think what's cool now is that the new normal is sort of people really shaking up the expectations and the known norms and bringing in people of all different walks of life and different appearances and different body shapes and all of that one thing I noticed Sophie when we were in Poland I I don't think I mentioned it at the time but I did pick up on how if there's ever a lull of like 10 minutes when you're in a you know we're just waiting around for 10 minutes for something you never once grab like went for the phone to check social media or anything like that and I remember I remember thinking I thought I was the only person that didn't do that and then and then that made me not want to do it at all then when I was around you because I saw you you didn't do that yeah no I'm I'm yeah I don't really I because the thing is as well once I go on your phone you start scrolling and then all of a sudden you're just not in the moment I'm one of those people I have so many pictures on my phone but none of them are well, I say none of them are me. Most of them are just really shit pictures of scenery where I've tried to capture a moment and it's not come through. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I really do leave my phone behind a lot and I get in trouble a lot because it means I'm not very good at replying to people. But I just don't like being with it because I just think you just get sucked into this black hole of phone time and then you're just never present. The worst thing for me is when you're out with somebody and all they're doing is on their phone. It's just like, why am I even here then? Yeah. Especially at dinner. It's like, really? My pals and I play the game. You've if you've the first one to bring their phone out has to pay for dinner. Oh, I remember you saying that. That's a good challenge. Yes. I like that. There is there is one instance though when you can have your phone out. To get here it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Oh dear, set him up, set him up. <laughs> Thanks, Ali. <laughs> I won't do it again, I won't do it again. Okay. But so, so what would you say is the most normal thing about you? Um, 
<laughs> Do you know what? I was, I was, um, I washed my bedding last night. And I was putting the bed sheets back on today. I thought the most normal thing about me is probably that I absolutely hate putting bedding back on the bed. It's the worst thing ever. If there's any household task, it's putting a fitted sheet on a mattress because it never fits, and I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> so, what would you say is that? What would you say is the least normal thing about you? I can do. Do you know what? I can do the. Um, the Titanic trick that she does where she goes on her toes. And when, when did you learn you can do that? Uh, well, I guess because I started, so I started ballet at two and then you start on point at like 10 or 11. And then one day I was just like, oh, let's try without the point shoes, see what happens. It's not very comfortable, but yeah. yeah. Uh, so probably about 10 or 11, I guess, figure out I could do that. <laughs> so Sophie, I've, I've got three quick fire questions, which I normally end on. So... Um, and I call them 3 a.m. questions because the right answer will normally come when you can't sleep at three in the morning. But first of all, what is your favorite book? Jane Eyre. What is your favorite food? Uh, dragon fruit. That's such a random answer to that question, but dragon fruit. I love a dragon fruit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they don't taste of anything. No, but they do. But they do. You just got to get the right one. <laughs> what is your favorite song? Uh, Wash Away by Joe Purdy. Your favourite film? Um, Goodwill Hunting. And your favourite quote? Uh, okay, so this probably isn't the best quote ever, but it's just the most usable in life, is uh, from Brooklyn Nine-Nine, when Peralta goes, cool, 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 cool. That will work very nicely. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Seriously, though, thanks you so much so for uh, spending some time with us today and, uh, yeah, just having a good having a good catch-up. Thank you, guys. The best. Appreciate it. That was a lot of fun, wasn't it? I really, really enjoyed catching up with Sophie again. Yeah, she's always good fun to to listen to and speak to, and just a really she's one of those people that's good at everything. She's a bit. She reminds me a lot of um, our pal Luke Youngblood, who is exactly the same way. Amazing person, really humble, really down to earth, and we were very lucky to have spent quite a bit of time with her when we were filming. And I'm so glad that she was able to join us on the show. Yes, yes, exactly, exactly, and especially seeing how her dog went absolutely mental when the air horn went off. feel a bit bad about that. Yes, Loka is rather cool, isn't he? In fact, can I... Um, so I thought, since I know about Loka and how he's a great dame, I thought I could do my great... My did you know this week about the Great Dane breed. Ooh, okay. So, the Great Dane. Did you know it's actually German, not Danish? The British thoughts have been around for well over 400 years and they're a descendant of massive dogs and they're bred for German nobility to protect their country estates and help hunt for wild boar whilst there. That's why they're so big. Wow. Now, nowadays, they're primarily family pets and despite their size, they've become very popular in city dwellers and is obviously a very good guard dog to have as well. As you can also hear from Loka in that show, they like to speak very loudly when given half the chance they're also very loving and also but need to be very you need to be very strict with training with them because they could happily go and do what they want otherwise yes and they will get away with it as they weigh about 40 to 50 kilos about one well, i remember so my pal elliot is uh, his mum and dad live on quite a busy road and they've got a six foot wall outside but they've got a couple of great dames and one day a guy was walking down the street and the dog heard this person jumped up the, on the fence and this fence six foot when a, a great dane stands on its back legs it's going on six and a half feet seven feet tall so 
all of a sudden this guy was met with this head just sticking over the top of the fence and the guy almost jumped in the road and got... Anyway, he lived. It was all fine and funny. He didn't. But he didn't go but, squash. He didn't go squash, but that's put a bit of a thing up. So they're very playful dogs, a very lovely breed, and they grow very quickly. Because I remember when um, we speak to Sophie in the summer, he was a little puppy, and now he's a very, very big puppy. Anyway, random did you know facts this week about great things. I quite like that, the certain subjects about dogs, as you know, I'm a dog person. Yes. By the way... Last year, I was saying about how I was babysitting, and I didn't. I'm I'm a dog person. I don't have any children, so I was playing fetch with a ball, and uh, apparently, it is a known thing. People do do that with their kids. So there we are. Well, fetch. Yeah, I'll throw a ball, and the, the the kid will bring it back to you. Fair enough. Fair enough. But anyway, guys, give it a try, guys. Thank you so much. Yes, if you're listening, and and uh, think, oh, what shall I do with my children today? On the advice of James Phelps, get a ball. Get a ball. Go to the it, park and just throw kick it. it. Yeah. Answers to the normal address at normalnotnormal at gmail.com if this didn't work for you or if it did. Uh, anyway, guys, thank you so much for listening to the Normal Not Normal podcast today. If you enjoyed this, give us a like and subscribe and leave us a review. And we'll be back next week with story times, your story times, questions and did you knows. So keep sending them in to once again that email address normal not normal podcast at gmail.com that's normal not normal podcast at gmail.com guys thank you so much for joining us thank you very much for all your interactions we're uh, really enjoying this latest series a big thank you to sophie skelton for giving up her time after just getting back to glasgow after filming and i know she's very soon starting outlander so Really big thanks to Sophie for joining us. Guys, thank you very much. And like Oliver said, we'll see you next week. Normal Not Normal is a stable production.